With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. The music stops so fast it catches me off guard. Welcome to Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. I'm Jason. That's Kevin. We're brought to you by CincyJungle.com, uh, SB Nation Cincinnati Bengals website, and and sponsored by uh, Eastgate Smiles Dental Care. Uh, today's very special special show. Uh, our friend Joe Goodberry is joining us. I'll bring him on right now. Joe, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. It's draft season, so I'm in full uh, Joe Goodberry mode at this point, if you will. Yep. <laughs> yep 100 percent non-stop up what 13 14 hours during the day oh you're not joking i had probably slept on average about four hours a day the last 10 yeah. days or so just because it's like i'm feeling the energy i'm really excited i don't see it as work and i just want to get back to watching and ranking guys yeah. plus it it's seems not- like these days uh you're on every other podcast that exists <laughs> <It seems> like <laughs> everybody wants to get a piece of you you uh holding up you surviving the gauntlet all right you know what I forget though. That's the problem is I don't keep a calendar. It's like, yeah, I, I got something Monday, I got something Tuesday. I usually go through my DMS and now like, I can't like on Twitter, especially I can't go back to old DMS past like three days. So I'm really panicking that I'm missing one. No, it's good. It's, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, first thing I kind of want to talk about is, is Joe, I, I know you're not, you're not from Cincinnati. I kind of want to just ask you how you became a Bengals fan and then just kind of walk us through how you became one of the biggest authorities on on the draft. Yeah, well, I I appreciate the kind words there. But uh, yeah, I live in Buffalo, New York, uh, or outside of Buffalo. I was born in Tampa, Florida. So I kind of never really felt the allegiance to the Bills either. My whole family did. But I I had an older brother. He rooted for the Bills. I thought the way my dad talked so bad about the Bengals, that they must be a rival. You know, late 80s, I'm thinking – they played in the playoffs. They, they they must hate each other. I'll take the rival team. I always did that. You know, we had like the table hockey game, right? And one was the, the Sabres, one was the Bruins. So I took the Bruins and that's how that went in that direction. And so I always took the rival. I thought the Bengals were. Plus my first memory of football are the Bengals running out of Joe Robbie Stadium for the Super Bowl and the helmets and like, wow, that's like peak, you know, aesthetic for, for a kid, Tiger Stripes, right? Uh, yep. So I just stuck with it. You know, I... There was rough times, obviously. There was times I didn't get to watch any games at all, being a Western New York. Sunday ticket came around and became popular early 2000s, right as the Bengals, Marvin Lewis, Carson Palmer, Chad era took off. And I was still in my teens. That was able to hook me and keep me into it. All right, cool. And then how did you kind of get started off? So there's there's a handful of guys when it comes to the Bengals and, and how they, especially on Twitter, how they uh, – when it comes to mock drafts and how they, you know, look at the upcoming draft and prospects and stuff like that. And your Joe Goodberry is one of the 
top names of people to follow on Twitter. If you want to know, just, I mean, how, how did you get to that point? Obviously yeah, a, lot just, of, a lot of hard work. Sure. Yeah, I guess there is some of that in between, but I, I said earlier, I don't see it as work really ever. It's watching football. I love watching football always have. And uh, I started actually to remember since jungle had fan posts on the side and I would write up, man, I can't remember what linebacker it was now. Uh, but I remember writing a, a, a quick profile on him in the draft, and I think it was coming out of Louisville. And uh, and I, I put it out there, and people were like, man, I really like this. And there was a lot of comments, and Josh Kirkendall put it on the front page. And then it just kept snowballing. Hey, what about this guy or this guy or that guy? So I would watch him and write up a, a review or kind of a scouting report at the time. That was the big thing, uh, you know, around 2008, 2009, 2010 was to go and look up scouting reports online on like draft countdown or whatever. So I started doing them just for a Bengals focus on Cincy jungle. And eventually that started with kind of a, a small paid gig doing social media for them as well. And I branched that into, Hey, keep doing it on Twitter. And it kept exploding. I was one of the first guys on there. So I don't know if I'm the best guy, but one of the first guys for sure. And that helps out a lot in any situation. Sure. And uh, I just kept going from there, getting other places to write, or do videos, or host podcasts, or anything, any way you consume Bengals media. I've done it at this point, and it's been it's been now thirteen, going on fourteen years. I do want to say uh, I think that Josh told me to reach out to you about your <laughs> okay. post, so so I can take total credit. I I think whatever you've made, you know, I mean financially, I think I deserve some sort little of little piece of it, so, little, piece little piece of it, just a tiny bit, tiny bit, or yeah, any. I, Anytime you tweet, you should mention me. Every, I should. Even if it has nothing to do with me. Well, well that's, why do. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm always very appreciative of Cincy Jungle and make sure I put the light on them as much as possible to give people a great opportunity and a platform to uh, to find their way in this world. Good. Good. Well, Kevin, I know you kind of want to start us off the first question. Could go have, I just want to pick your brain on the State of the Union right now, where you see the Bengals at. I am hoping you're going to be a little more optimistic than me. I'm not negative on it. I think the Orlando Brown signing was killer. Um, I know he has his flaws, but an upgrade is an upgrade, and that's a big one. But other than that, it feels good enough. It feels across the board good enough. And that's not being reductive. I really do mean it's it's good enough. But I don't feel like we did enough, especially tight end running back. Where was your head at? Where would you rank us? You know, they're still a top three or so team in the AFC, which is what's important. You know, maybe top, definitely a top five team in the league. And I, I think you're right. We knew they'd lose talent at tight end because Hayden Hurst got the biggest deal in free agency. You know, I just don't think he was worth that, right? Uh, and then they lost also Von Bell. And we knew Jesse Bates was gone. But the Von Bell one maybe stung a little bit in terms of, well, now they're going to have to go spend some money there. And looking at the landscape and after the dust settled, they – they got a guy that has basically started for a year and a half and hasn't been great for the Rams, but he offers some ability in Nick Scott. Uh, but he's also 28 years old as well. So do you feel great about that? You definitely see safety is going to take a step back this year. You get, unless the draft, you know, they go to that direction. I'm not projecting that. Uh, but tight end as well, unless they land a guy in the top two rounds, which sounds like they are interested in doing so. Uh, they'll probably take a step back at tight end. And that's with liking Irv Smith Jr., which I do like, but he's been often injured as well. So is he going to be able to stay durable and healthy at a position that notoriously he's been injured? So I'm with you. There are concessions we have to make anytime we realize that you get to the era 
of building a team where now you're going to pay your quarterback, that cap number is going to go up. There's less pizza there for everyone in, in, in terms of giving that out to the rest of the roster. So you're going to have to get worse at some positions. What positions are you probably okay getting worse at? I would say safety, maybe even tight end, maybe running back, right? In terms of paying those guys. If I can cut some, some fat or some cap money at those three positions, I think that makes sense. They spent more on the right. offensive line. I expect them to spend more at receivers, especially if they uh, extend Higgins. So, yes, things are going to get tighter. Your stars are going to have to be better, and you're going to have to draft better than you ever have before. And that's why we're here right now and so excited to talk about it. Yeah. I do have a question for you. So just let's say for the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs uh, at the end of last season that the entire offensive line is healthy. You know, you have Jonah out there, you have Kappa and Collins out there. Are the Bengals better today than they would have been if the offensive line was healthy in that game? Okay, so, I well, I think, yeah, getting Orlando Brown helps out. But the part of the reason they're able to keep a top on the Mahomes offense and the Chiefs is so much of what happens with Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Uh, how dynamic they can be, how multiple they can be, how much they communicate and pass things off seamlessly and while in motion during the play. They're almost changing coverages based on what's happening. Uh, they're going to take a step back there, and I think it's going to be harder to keep the lid on the Chiefs. If you're keeping them to 23 points a game, you're feeling great about that. The problem is they scored 20 points. You're going to lose that game against the Chiefs, right, cool. anytime you match up. So I do think the offensive line was a big part. Obviously, you would have scored more, more points had the O-line been healthy, no doubt in my mind. But I also think Tyler Boyd getting hurt in that game. Can I have Tyler Boyd healthy as well? Because the way they yeah. doubled the two outside receivers, no one else was getting open. No one else was doing a thing on the offense. And it's like, all right, the whole offense was chucking it up to Chase on a fourth down, Higgins in the red zone getting that. You know, that was it. And it caused a couple interceptions as well. The one deep down the right sideline to Higgins. The other one on what looked like a broken miscommunication almost Higgins went, you know, out to, to the deep quarters and Burrow laid it up there. Um yeah, so I think more weapons or having your weapons healthy but having your O-line healthy, I don't think Orlando Brown offsets that. I think the team last year healthy is better than the team currently, but we still have the draft to go because, I mean, we're talking about guys last year. If Take Cam Taylor Britt off the team last year, and you got a big hole at corner, right? So it right. matters. The draft still matters. These guys are going to help the roster. Okay. All right. Yeah, I um... – I think I mean, Kevin and I have, kind of, I have kind of talked about this. Are they better right now than they were? And I think that it's almost a coin flip sometimes. You know, like we've we've mentioned before, uh, you know, the downgraded safety with the upgrade on the offensive line and just, you know, it's I feel it's just going to go that way. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you have guys that you have to pay big money to, that's just the way it's going to be. Kevin, did you have any other questions about uh, the state of the Bengals right now? Uh, just generally speaking, are you as nervous about right tackle as I am? I don't like at all that side of the O-line. I don't like Jonah flipping sides. I don't like expecting Adenogy to start. I definitely don't like this newfound confidence we're all supposed to have in Jackson Carmen. What's your take on it? It feels like we're going to have to do the thing I didn't want to do, which is reach for a tackle in this draft. Yeah, I, I think after the first couple weeks of free agency after Orlando Brown signed, uh, the idea that Jonah would just flip, the, you know, one day after Orlando Brown signed, I was like, man, Jonah's just going to have to go to right tackle. It is what it is. And at least you got your five starters now in March, which hasn't happened in a long time, probably since like 2015 or so. Uh, so that was a good thing. But again, 
what's going to happen with Lyle Collins? Is he injured? How long is he injured? Obviously, we know he's hurt, but is that going to go into multiple weeks of the season? It could. Are they going to cut him? They could, especially if they figure they don't find a trade partner for Jonah Williams. And if they don't, then I think he's still the guy that's going to suit up and play that position. And he played it his first two years at Alabama. He has some experience. That was a long time ago, but can't be much worse than he was at left tackle at a, at a lot of times. And I don't think he was that bad at left tackle. I just think he's got some limitations that were exploited very often and can lead to sex. Uh, and so I still think if he's your right tackle, I still think Cordell Volson is the worst starter on the offensive line. So unless Jonah completely is terrible and completely at that point would tank his career and how much he'd ever get paid. Uh, so I, I still think you're in a good situation on the offensive line, but the reason I don't think they, they force a pick there. I don't think there's one there. Every time I keep doing this, uh, I don't think Dwan Jones is in consideration in the first round by anyone in the league. I think he's going to be a second round pick at best and maybe even could dip even lower. And then after that, maybe Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. And I think he's probably going in the second round, early second round. Uh, even though I like him, I just don't see it coming to a point ever where they're going to dip five spots below where they're at on their board to go get the next offensive lineman. And he never played right tackle. So, again, that's a project and someone you don't know you're going to slide right in there. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think if you ask me a position that they won't address this year, I would guess it would be offensive tackle in the draft. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll get we'll get um, into that in the next segment, but uh yeah. you're you're talking about not even a developmental guy. Maybe, but I, yeah, I think once you get to day 3 picks, you could spend it on a lot of things. I think we're talking first four rounds, yeah, they probably I could see a scenario where they don't take one at all. Okay. All right, I also wanted to to mention that, that makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. It really <laughs> does. It really does. I really hope Jonah clicks. I hope he clicks fast. Because if he does, he's going to be an upgrade on Collins, at least how Collins played last year. Yeah. Um, that's my personal opinion. I just, I'm not certain how fast that transition is going to get made. And that makes me nervous. Hopefully I'm nervous about nothing. They've rolled worst ideas out there on the offensive line the last few years. That's, that's what makes true. me think they like Jonah. They like his character. They like the work he puts in. I think if they have an understanding with him, like, look, we can't find you a left tackle spot out there because there's not that many, especially after the draft, how many will be left. Your best bet is to go play right tackle for your play your ass off and then we'll get a contract. Yep. You know, another thing too is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the way that teams are going to be releasing players this year is different because they have to get down to 52, it's 52. Uh, they have to get down to 52 instead of like a rolling thing where it's going to be, we're going to cut 11 guys and then cut 10 more. They're getting rid of everybody. Everyone has to be at 52 early. So there's going to be a lot of cap casualties um, after the draft, a lot of guys that are going to be available that we didn't know were going to be available. So the Bengals could scoop some of those guys up too. So I don't know. Either of you guys have yeah, anything to say? Is any cap casualty going to be the solution to any problem that's not depth? No. Depends on no. who it is, but probably I, not. Unless you strike out right in the draft. Yeah. Unless you strike out in the draft and that's the only option you have. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, we're going to take a word from our sponsor real quick and then we'll be back to talk about the draft for a minute. Eastgate Smiles Dental Care is a warm and welcoming environment where expertise and customer service come together. As a local business, they love helping their fellow Cincinnatians manage their oral health and achieve a perfect smile. They pair the latest technology with years of experience to give you a smile worth showing off. They are dedicated to quality and convenience and can even perform dental crown procedures the same day in most cases. You like your smile, but they are here to help you love it. They personalize your care and match your needs. 
Call them today at 513-528-1150 to learn what they can do for your pearly whites. All right. We're back with uh, Joe Goodberry, the Bengals Twitter draft guru. Uh, so now we're going to kind of get into this, the whole segment that I think that everyone's tuning in here to get into. Uh, Joe, you mentioned that you that you could see the Bengals not drafting an offensive tackle this year. Uh, who who are some guys that you do like or that you do think the Bengals would take in the first three rounds? First two, rounds, this, first two rounds. Is this offensive line or anyone? Anyone. Any anyone. position that you, you could see it falling. Okay, so I normally when I approach the draft, so we're say, we're talking January, February, right? And then when it mm-hmm. first starts, you are looking at need first and primary. I think everyone uh, feels that way just because you're like, okay, who's in a right tackle they could take? Who's a tight end they could take? Yada yada. And then I branch off into all the other positions. And when you see how good the corner class is or the defensive end class is, you start to go, well, those guys are better than that next right tackle those guys are better than this tight end those guys are better than you know whatever position of need you may come up with and that's kind of how i start to have different targets in the last couple weeks heading into the draft and where we're at right now i think the corner class is incredibly strong it's gonna be very difficult for them to sit sit at 28 and not have a corner and probably their top three players available whether that's deontay banks out of maryland emmanuel forbes out of mississippi state and I think even the next couple guys, and maybe even Joey Porter Jr. is still there from Penn State, but I think the next couple guys and Kaylee Ringo of Georgia and also Cam Smith of South Carolina could be on the fringe back half of what's available at 28, uh, depending on how you have them ranked. Uh, but if you move on from corner, I think defensive tackle are two is a few positions, a few guys we could be looking at there. Will Kalijah Cansey from Pitt still be there? I don't expect it, but I think a lot of teams are not going to like his size, and it's going to cause him to fall a little bit further than he probably should. I think the next guy, probably Brian Brzee out of Clemson. Originally, people thought of maybe would be a top 12 or 15 pick. I think once people realize his tape is so limited the last couple of years due to circumstances outside of football and injury, uh, it makes him a bit of a risk. I don't know if he's going to be a top player on their board uh, at 28, but I think he'll be in the mix, at least in the back half of it. And then I think the one that we're probably not talking about enough is Tommy Adebuari out of Northwestern, a very freakishly long athletic guy that was super productive in a terrible defense that he stands out a lot. And he stood out a lot at the Senior Bowl as well. I think he could be a lot higher than people expect. Uh, I believe Mel Kuyper Jr. just had him as his 14th overall player on his board. You got to think if he's there and the Bengals agree with that, which they could, you know, that's how, how the draft goes, they could see him as a value pick at that spot. He actually grades out as a top eight player on my board as well. Uh, so it could happen. And last year, Dax Hill was number nine on our board. And so I, they felt Bengals saw it the same way. We're like, I, they couldn't believe he was still there. And they went ahead and made that pick. So I could see that happening. Uh, I don't think there will be a tackle available. Like Darnell Wright is the one people I think hope for. I think he's gone. I don't see him going yeah. past early 20s at the at the least. And I could see him going before Broderick Jones of Georgia, Uh, especially teams that just need a right tackle and feel comfortable with him being a right tackle uh, because a lot of these guys are left tackles in college. And uh, after that is it come probably comes down to tight ends is Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame still there is Dalton Kincaid out of Utah still there at this point. I don't think either are going to be there. I think the, the weapons class, the weapons in this class are not very good. I think you obviously have B. John Robinson. He's probably going to go top 20 in my opinion. I, I think because there's not a lot of first-round graded players in this class, 
I think he's one of them on every single board. Despite value, someone's going to see it and say, "How are we going to? How are we going to pass up a, a number one? Uh, you know, a grade one player?" And then Jameer Gibbs as well. I think he's more of a back half round one, early round two guy. But I think the receivers are going to fall a little bit more than people expected, and I think that's going to push the tight ends up just a little bit. And I don't know if the Bengals will get a chance at either one of them. I think they would like it. I just don't know if it'll be there. And then you get to okay. Would they go for a faller at defensive end? Is that Miles Murphy out of Clemson, who I think increasingly is not finding a spot um, amongst draft nicks that, that, you know, try to do these mock drafts and you keep seeing him. At first he was around 13 and then 15 and then 18. And now he's at like 23 on a lot of these consensus boards. And I'm like, when I watch the film, I, I agree. I think he's more of a late first, early second round pick, a uh, good player, but, you know, has some development still to go and, and, some production issues are reflective of that. So I, I think he could be behind the Bengals board and that could be a sleeper pick. Okay. So overall you think for the first round, you're looking at corner, possibly defensive tackle, probably one of those two, probably not tight end. Do you think the tight ends will be gone, right? I do. If they're there, I think they'd be interested. I just, I keep coming back to, you know, the newest reports are the Cowboys are into mayor. I said that before the reports came out, my best friend's a Cowboys fan. We talk draft all the time. And he's like, oh, they'd love mayor. They'd love mayor. And the whole time, like, yes, we felt they, the Bengals would like mayor. He's been saying the entire time, watch for the Cowboys two picks ahead. And it's like, okay, now it seems like he will never be there for them. Okay. What about some, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. I, I was going to ask for somebody, uh, something a little more specific. Lately on Twitter, or at least a few days ago, you were banging the table for Emmanuel Forbes. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are does his weight not concern you? Why should it not concern me? Why is he so high up as far as uh, your board is concerned? Is it just what you think the Bengals need or should do? Or is it you don't care about the weight, you think he plays above it? The weight factors into our scores and our grading. Uh, it does have an effect on it, and he still comes out as a top eight player uh, for us and on everything we, we grade on and, and try to use from the analytics base to the tape review and evaluation. Does it affect him? It does. If you, if you don't know, if you're listening, watching, he was 166 at the combine. He was 170 at his pro day. He says he's played at 173 uh, at Mississippi state. Uh, first, what, what do scouts look for in terms of how big can a guy get? They usually look, how long are you? How, you know, how, what your frame look like. They'll measure wrists, knees, ankles, and arm length and say, okay, you have the frame to add weight. He's got the the frame, his his wingspan is of a guy that's six foot seven. So to sort of think he stays at 170 for any length of his uh, maturation into an adult, I think that's easily he's going to end up in the 180s. He'll probably always be a thin guy. He looks like that, that kind of guy. Uh, but I do believe he'll add some weight on, on tape. So what do you see with that in mind? He does not know he is 166. He plays like I'm the biggest guy in the field, and that gets him in trouble. I, I admire it like because he's going to put his head in there and try and dig through it and, and fight through it and make tackles. Like He doesn't play scared at all, but there are times you get ragdolled because, dude, you're 166. Like Relax a little bit. You know you don't need to dig your head in there on that play. Uh, you can hang back. You're a corner. So you know it goes both ways. Uh, the only time I really see it affect him is maybe at the top of the route in contact with a receiver, he can lean in and hold on a little bit more for a ride because guys aren't bouncing off of him. You know, as sometimes these, these big corners, you know, when you when contact is made, any position, any sport, when contact is made, how do you, how's your contact balance? How do you recover off that? And I think that sometimes he can, again, dude, you're, you're quick and athletic. Just play around him, orbit around the guys. You don't have to make contact. Uh, but selling him, 
tremendous ball skills. I mean, probably the best ball skills of any corner I've watched in the, all the years I've just said, I've been doing this 13, 14 years now, best ball skills I've probably ever watched at corner. He is a risk to throw it his, in his direction. Uh, you see offenses and quarterbacks just say, I'm not throwing it over there no matter what, because it's not 50-50, it's 60-40. He's going to make a play on the ball. Uh, so I seeing that and seeing how the, it shifts the entire game, I want that. If he's going to be that guy in the NFL, oh, yeah. I want yeah, that would be that'd be amazing, especially with how physical and tough and aggressive Cam Taylor Britt is on the other side. Like that's they'd be a great pairing, man. You know, you'd funnel those to the to the other side, Dax Hill roaming and helping may, maybe out uh helping Cam Taylor Britt out in the deep half. You've got some athletic studs back there at that point that can do a lot of different things. Uh, so I like Forbes. I like I think he can gain weight. I think the Bengals like Forbes. Everything that I put them through, and I, and, I, and I can usually get a good pinpoint on it and get a good read on it. I think he's high on their board. So lately I've been banging the drum because all signs are pointing to, I think he'll be on the board, number one. And number two, I think they like him. And number three, I really love him. All right. I'm sold. Well, That's it. Yeah, as yeah. far as uh, the content you've been putting out on Twitter, watching some highlights after you pointed them out, I am very, very high on it myself. Uh, this is the time of the year when watching when watching film and all that other stuff, and I'm an amateur at it, where I start to get practical. You start by being flashy. You want the tight end, mm-hmm. for example. You want, now I'm defensive tackle, now I'm cornerback. And it always happens this way, where I end up, not conservative in a bad way, but I start straying conservative about two weeks before the draft. So I'd be all about him at, uh, at 28. I hate everyone in the first like two months of, of watching. Like I'm like, no, that guy's not worth it. That guy's not worth it. Like this guy, no, he stinks. This that, right? And then towards like the final weeks, I'm like, ooh, I like all these guys. Like and I start picking my favorites. <laughs> well, with flaws, the first pass, huh? Yeah, the first pass and all the flaws just like turn me off. And then I realize that is the other thing. Like there's gonna be a lot of outliers. If, if weight is is an issue, well, you're gonna you could go to the next corner, Devin Witherspoon, and he is like 74 inch wingspan. He's very stumpy. You're gonna get Bryce uh, Young as a first overall pick at a guy at a size we've never seen before. Elijah Cansey is gonna be drafted at a size we've never seen before at defensive tackle. Brian Branch is a very small safety we're gonna see in the first round. These Peter Skaronsky as as small as a tackle as you're gonna find. Some teams are gonna play him at guard. This it, it, it's part of the new NFL where everything's spread out, flag football type. Smaller guys are coming are, are surviving and playing big roles all the time. Sure, um, you know, and, and then with corner, uh, you know, you mentioned Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, on the other side, you have Chidobe Awuzie, and he's entering the last year of his contract, and he's also coming off a season-ending injury. So there's not a lot of depth uh, at that position. And Mike Hilton is 29, or he's going to be going to be 29 or going to be 30, one of the two. Um, all right, so let's say first round. Let's take the, let's say they take Forbes, right? In the first okay. round, they have their corner. Who are some guys? Who are a couple guys you realistically like in uh, the second and third round, day two? So, so let's say this goes like last year, where they go BPA in the first round with a year uh, with their eyes one year ahead, right? Where they're saying, okay, Dex Hill last year, you're going to replace Jesse Bates in a year, and we think you're a top ten player on the board. Easy pick for them, right? The next two biggest needs they had, and I, and I brought up an old poll from last year right before the draft. I said, what are the biggest needs? The top two uh, vote gets were corner and defensive tackle. In rounds two and three, the Bengals go corner defensive tackle. Actually, they trade up in round two to get the last corner that I had a, a, a second-round grade on, and uh, they go up and, and or they they take Zach Carter right around where I had him also. But they, they 
go and grab those two positions right away and fill needs. If they follow that same path, if it comes, you know, it's got to fall that way, of course. But you could say the next two biggest needs potentially are tight end and running back. You've got to address them at some point. Do, is that something they want to push for in rounds two and three? I think it could be. I think you can make an argument that they didn't need to find another pass rusher at some point, whether that's defensive tackle or defensive end. But do you have to push that? You know, do you have to make that a priority or do you let that fall to you and just be open to it? Uh, I think you could go both ways because what's different about running back and tight end is that you don't have to spend a premium pick to find those guys, right? You could say, all right, if we took one in the third or fourth round, that's fine. You can find a running back that contributes in the third round. You can find a tight end that contributes as a third or fourth rounder. So, you know, I could see them putting it on the back burner and trying to go for another position of need. And maybe this is when offensive tackle comes in and there's someone there. Maybe it's Juan Jones is still available, right? And then you plug and play right tackle and try and ship Jonah for anything because you got your starter. You'll take the monies and cap savings from Jonah. And if you get a fourth round pick, great. Maybe that's your tight end then, right? Maybe that's your running back. So I could see that scenario playing out. I don't know that I like the next tier after DeWand, if that's Matthew Bergeron, Blake Freeland, uh, Tyler Steen, Wanya Morris, there's a few other guys. Those are more third rounders to me. Would they be there at the end of the third round? I don't know. I keep forgetting they pick so late every time now. Uh, so that is part of the equation. So maybe you would feel comfortable taking them at pick 60. I think the Bengals would love it if a tight end is still there. Sam Laporta, out of Iowa, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, and maybe Tucker Craft out of uh, South Dakota State. If one of those are there, I could easily seeing, see that being the pick. They get a premium uh, player at a position that's pretty strong. I still think – I think Laporta or Musgrave could be top 40 picks, and we're just sitting there like, yeah, they're, you know, they're not there. They're move on to the next piece. What would be the next piece? I could see them loving Zach Charbonnet, the running back out of UCLA. He doesn't have the game-breaking speed and elusiveness that I want them to add to this offense, but who am I? I think they are going to love Charbonnet, and I think he's a good fit for the offense because he runs a lot, a lot of gap, man scheme from shotgun, which is what the Bengals transitioned to, which is when they went on a 10-game win streak is they threw away all the wide zone stuff and said this is what we're going to become, and it's really what they should do. It, it was a smart decision by them and, and made a lot of sense. So I could see them loving Charbonnet, and if not – I don't know if there is another running back that you take in round two, you know, unless Jameer Gibbs falls that far. So then you roll that dice again and say, okay, we're going to hope there's a guy there in the third round. So maybe it goes tight end and then running back. If the tight ends aren't there, maybe Charbonnet. If not, that's where I could see them adding another pass rusher. There's a lot of defensive ends still there and defensive tackles. Could it be a defensive tackle like Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin? Could it be a defensive end like Derek Hall out of Auburn, who I absolutely love? Uh, and you add them to the to the rotation and say, fine, we just got better uh, at corner and at pass rush. We worried about playing Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes late in the year. That's how you do it. That's how you defend against it. Plus, they need to retool those side that side of the ball eventually. And I think most people would say it's a better defensive class than it is offensive class. I think I saw um, on Twitter that there's four Bengals defensive players that are under contract That's right, after yeah. 2024. Yep. There's there's nobody. I mean, they have to restock that side of the ball. So I think that's and, something that people miss. They're all about optimizing Joe Burrow, but the truth of the matter is, is we are in desperate need of the next wave of defensive players. I can right. see this being a heavily defensive draft. Uh, just, just I, I just want you to humor me, humor me here, just because I went to UC. Um, but how do you see Ivan Pace Jr. and Josh Wiley? 
at, at like an outside linebacker and a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pace is one of the funnest guys I watched all year. I, you know, he's just, he's small. All right. If he was, if he had normal size for a linebacker, he probably a second round pick in, in my opinion, but he is small, but he doesn't know it. He's another one of those guys. He's kind of like Vontez perfect in his mind, right? He's just going to disregard for his body. He'll slam into guys. He'll ram into guys hundred miles an hour. Uh, I don't think he's much of a coverage guy in today's NFL. I don't know how much range he actually has, but he's a battering ram in the middle. And I think actually he could do some pass rushing uh, stuff and maybe be a sub package player. But again, he's so small that it's hard to make him a, a sub package rusher. Like similar to Akeem Davis Gaither was at Appalachian State, but he ADG didn't have this type of like battering ram mentality that that uh, Ivan Pace does. And then Josh Wiley was tough to get a read on for me. Uh, I remember seeing highlights from the pro day and he's like doing all these twisting diving, like catches and his really good body control. And I was like, Whoa, I haven't watched this guy yet. Right. So uh, I go and watch the tape and he was very one speed, uh, very measured route runner, which is, those are good things, but you would, I kept waiting for that extra gear to hit, to see if he would be a special type player. Uh, I saw maybe like a Dalton Schultz type at best which is fine. You know what I mean? You can, he, Schultz got a decent deal. He got a one-year deal. He should have been paid more out. I would have loved the Bengals to match that Dalton Schultz deal down in Houston, but uh, he's a good player, but I don't know if he's a, would ever become a great player. I don't know if he has the capacity to become a great player. I think if he ended up being a starter, he'd be a solid starter. I think his hands are fine. I think he's a decent blocker. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't love Wiley. I think fifth round sounds best for Ivan Peso. I wouldn't be surprised if he's there even later. Uh, I think, oh, wow. yeah, I, I just, cause of the fit and size, I don't know what teams are going to, you know, envision for him. And I think it's a pretty good linebacker class actually. So yeah. uh, I could see fifth, sixth round for pace. Okay. Kevin. Uh, final question. Do you like Spears as a late round running back pick as much as I do? I don't know if he's a late rounder. Uh, he comes out for me. Like I he know. should be like a third or fourth round guy. I know he's moving up the boards. That's frustrating. <laughs> it is frustrating. After the senior bowl, he put on a show as a receiver, really running routes like a receiver. I, I thought he would end up being a second rounder or so. Uh, he didn't catch that much uh, steam in his, in his draft stock. He's got a couple ACL injuries in his past. I think that will hurt him. He's not a bigger guy, so that'll hurt him. He's going to get mixed in with a lot of these. There's a lot of, running back by committee types in this draft, a whole bunch. I love the running back class, but there's no big bell cow types after Charbonnet, really. You could, you're going to get a few guys down the list, but guys that have been, already been worn through with with no tread left on the tires, and uh, you wonder how teams value that. I Typically in the past, they don't like the guys that have had over 600-plus touches, and they fall a little bit in the draft, and I think we'll see that again. But Ty J. Spears, it, if they strike out in round two at running back, I could see it being third, fourth rounder if he's in that range. Well, you know, depending on how the running back um, run starts, because that's the thing. Look for when the run starts, because teams start getting a little bit antsy and start jockeying for positions. Yeah. All right. One more drafts question. Name one guy nobody's talking about. Late round guy that you like a lot that you want the Bengals to take a flyer on on day three. Would you rather yeah. that or one that I think the Bengals like and we'll take and we'll there you pick. go. Do that. Which one do you want? Do 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 both. Do both. Do both. Okay, I will. Okay, so a late round guy that I really like. Uh I like Ricky Stromberg, the center out of Arkansas. Okay. I don't know that the Bengals 
we'll even, like I said, I, I, I'm not sure they'll take a tackle if it doesn't fall to them because history shows you need to draft a tackle in the first two rounds if you expect them to be a starter. Anything after that, you can bet that guy will never be a starter in the NFL, and you got a great shot at it. Guard and center is kind of different. You can it, it is split much more in the third, fourth, fifth rounds where I think Ricky Stromberg goes. He's a strong power player, but he actually gets out in front of centers a lot or in front of defensive tackles a lot. He can play the wide zone scheme. I think he can do everything. I honestly think he's severely underrated. He comes out in our grading system as a fringe first round pick. So, I mean, like wow. in, in the system, it said he should probably be a high second rounder and he's projected to go in the fifth or so, maybe even fourth. So that'd be somebody I'd like them to take. Somebody I think they will take, and we're going to stay with offensive line. So I wasn't sure they'd take a tackle, and I'm not at tackle yet, uh, is Antonio Maffi, the guard out of UCLA. He was one of the funnest offensive linemen I watched, one of the funnest players I watched. He is the kind of guy that's going to drive you into the dirt, dance over your body, and drag his nuts on your face mask as he does it. Like It's just like he's so fun to watch. He's just constantly trying to kill guys and then dance on them. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to have a guy like that on the offensive line. Yeah. And it, uh Sounds like they do like him. So it'll be interesting to see where that is. If that's, he's projected to go like fifth, sixth. Uh, and, you know, I could see them addressing the line in that area of the draft. All right. So he's a glass eater, is what you're saying. Oh, 100%. And he moves decently well, too. Like if you, if they end up with Charbonnet, we're going to watch a lot of UCLA, UCLA tape, anyways. Watch, I want to say 56 at left guard. And uh, he's a good time. All right. All right. Kevin, you have any other good uh, play or questions about some prospects coming in the draft? No, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Joe, you have time to do a mock draft with us with your yeah, board? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to set there. I'm mock draft time. All right. So we're <laughs> going to set this up. Let me uh, present this here and then you can help me set it up and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. All right. Let's see here. Just let me. All right. So uh, I have here, you know, seven rounds, your big board here. Great. Uh, yeah, take, yep, take Steve's uh, and then do Vegas draft order. You got to click on that. Okay. Uh, classic or difficult? Either way. It'll give us different options either way, but Let's both fun. Classic. And then we're just going to do classic for speed because I did okay. this yesterday and fast was, I, I couldn't keep Mind up. blowing. Yep. Yeah. Let's All right. So let's go. Let's, let's start. Let me make my screen bigger so I can see these players. There we go. There we go. All right, kind of scroll down through here. Oops. So the Colts did take a quarterback. Yep. Yeah, Bijan's off the board falls. at 10. There goes Broderick Jones. Joey Porter off the board. Ringo early. Oh, yeah, Ringo. That's uh and there goes Mayer. Mm-hmm. Let's check it out. How about it? Normal. Cowboys, Cowboys go Kincaid. All right. So here we go. We, Darnell Wright's there. Cansey's there. Banks. So Deontay Banks. Yep. Four. Man. Anyone you want. I, Who do you want? I, I explained my worries about right tackle. I'm going Darnell Wright all day and calling it a day. But this is your mock draft. What, what are you going for here? What are you thinking? So I didn't really get a chance to talk about Darnell Wright enough, then it's a good time to talk about him. So you click the button on Darnell Wright, and I'll talk as the simulation goes. Okay. Uh, so Darnell Wright was pretty bad the first three years in college. I will put it very bluntly because the turn to this year was dramatic as possible. He uh, looked fantastic this year. He's a power, nasty, uh, 
heavy puncher of a right tackle. Paul Alexander would have loved him, actually. Paul Alexander would be probably running the, the card to the podium on a, on a player like this. He fits what lined up for the Bengals for those 20 years. Um, I think he is a plug-and-play right tackle, starter right away, with potential Pro Bowl upside. Now, I don't say automatically Pro Bowl upside. I do not think that. I think uh, he's got some issues where he drops his eyes a, a little bit too often and goes for the kill shot. Guys can swim over him and make him miss real bad, like a – you know, Olaying the bowl, if you will. Uh, and fine, you know, he's got some limitations that way. He, but at, at the same time, I think he is more than good enough and wouldn't be an upgrade, be the best right tackle they've drafted or had since prime Andre Smith. Smith was very inconsistent, but when he was on, he was, he was pretty good. So it would be, you know, it's been about uh, almost 10 years now since we've had a good right tackle. Well, so that brings us to pick 60, and you can see here who's on the board. Um, you got Laporte there. Uh, no one wants a linebacker, huh? These guys are good. Those three linebackers are really good. I don't want one, but you know. So who do you got here uh, with the second round pick? So my highest graded player would be Derek Hall uh, of this grouping. Okay. I don't know that I want to go that direction. Although, why wouldn't you take the best player? I really think Sam Laporta has a chance to be a special tight end. Uh, he doesn't grade as high right now. He's still a bit raw. When you watch Laporta, I was joking with Jake Lisko of Lockdown Bengals uh, earlier today that he kind of runs like the inflatable mans at the at the uh, at the car dealerships because yeah. he's a bit raw and a bit uncoordinated. And, I, and he's still young and highly productive. That's still young, and I think he's only going to get much better in an NFL system. You can split him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can block from the wide position. You can be an H back type. I'm going to go with Sam Laporta here, even though. I am very tempted to go Derek Hall because I think he right. is probably going to be a better version of Carl Lawson and similar school, but similar strengths and weaknesses as well. All right. On to the third here. So it shows who we drafted up here, right? And Laporta. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think so far? Doing good? Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. Offensive tackle and tight end. The offense yeah. is, uh, is complete with the exception of possibly running back. Don't don't keep the linebackers there though, because we're gonna have to go BPA. Yeah. Zach Charbonnet's still there. We're gonna have to do it if he's still there. All right. They, Following that okay. Way. We're cleaning so, up on this draft, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're taking Zach Charbonnet, right? Now I wanna say before we do, okay. Jack Campbell is a top twelve player on the board. He is an extremely clean, safe prospect with ex with very good high upside markers on every single thing you look for at linebacker. Um, I don't know why this draft doesn't want to give anyone a linebacker. They Those guys all lasted way longer than I expected. We had a high grade on Logan Wilson, too, and he went in the third round that year as well, an early third yep. round, so we're almost a whole, a whole round after that. But I do think if the Bengals were here, they would take Zach Charbonnet and say – Thank their stars. They almost took him at 60. Yeah. He's still there in the round three for whatever reason. Let's let's go with it. All right. Is there any party that wants to take a linebacker here, considering the Logan Wilson contract coming up and considering the value of running back is yeah. generally uh, kind of undervalued in the league, and rightfully so, I think, where you say, I'm grabbing the linebacker. He fell. This solves my Logan Wilson issue, assuming there is one next year. And you've just saved a ton of money. And you've yeah. kept your linebacker core strong. Honestly, 
if I was thinking positional value a little strongly, I would have went Derek Hall and then Jack Campbell. And that, that linebacker value is is pretty low down there anyways. Even guys in free agency are getting $5 million a year, right? Uh, and I still think the the tight ends and, and stuff are, are and running backs that are available are still pretty good players. But at the same time, I'm trying to think of how the Bengals would do it. And I think they would go in this direction if Wright, Laporta, and Charbonnet are still available at those picks. And this is funny because earlier we said, I wouldn't be surprised if they want heavy defense in this. And here we are, three offensive players right, right off the rip. All right. Uh, back on – yeah, back on the clock. So with the – what we got here? 131? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you looking at? What do you see? So I'm looking at the top of the board. I try to stay there. Eli Ricks, not a big fan of. Um, oh, really? I am not. Yeah, I like. I instantly went down to Darius Rush and was like, "Oh yeah, I'd like Darius Rush a lot." And then I tried to see what other corners were there just to be in the right time, right mind frame. Corey Trice is like six foot three, amazing tackler. I think he could be the Trey Flowers like right away, and that would be fun. And you and so he'd get on the field right away, and maybe he can develop into something more. Uh, it kind of makes me wish I didn't take a running back because Roshan Johnson is still there. I like yep. Andre Miller a lot. Not a big fan of Zach Evans, so I hope that's not the pick. You know, when when, when it comes to them uh, in this situation, I think the guy we probably have not talked about enough is Parker Washington as a slot replacement for Tyler Boyd. They met with him at the combine. Bengals love young breakout wide receivers, and I think he's in the ninety-first percentile, meaning he performed very well in that offense while he was a young man, uh, being either a freshman or sophomore. Bengals typically draft guys that do that, so. Uh, having said all of that, I think Darius Rush is the best player here, and we haven't addressed corner yet. I think it's a good time to do so and uh, see where we get, see where it goes from here. And Darius Rush, right. like a lot of these uh, South Carolina, because the other one is the the Cam Smith. You can take Darius Rush and let it roll. Okay. Uh, Darius Rush has uh, good ball skills. And they all are aggressive against the run and playing a lot of different schemes. They didn't get a lot of safety help. They played a lot of press man. They played a lot of off man. They played a lot of zone. It was a very heavy mix. Uh, So I I think he could end up being a starter for them in a year or two. All right. Well, uh, so in the fourth round, they, they take a defensive player to kind of fill out some, possibly the future of the cornerback position, but definitely for depth, at least for this year. They're driving pace. He's getting close to yep. the top of the board. There you go. And there you go. Josh there. Wiley just just went the pick before. All right. So is is it going to be Ivan Pace there in the fifth, or, or what are you thinking? It could very much be. I really like Brenton Strange as well. Um, we already addressed tight end with a shorter guy, a smaller guy. Brenton Strange is in that mold. I don't like the mix of the two together. Uh, so if it's not that, I like Raheem Jarrett from Maryland. I think the, he would be behind the Bengals board as well. Ricky Stromberg is there at center, and he's the guy that I talked about that I think he could potentially be a starter, and he's still here in the fifth round. Can we go real fast? Because I wanted to help the edge D-line situation out. Can you click on the D-line button up there at the top and just see right here. If, yeah, if it can help me plan out? See, Dante Stills is a good player, can head some pass rush upside. Other than that, Mostly undraftable guys on my board. So go back to the all then. We won't worry about it. That we miss out, we miss out. I'm going to go with Ricky Stromberg here. Keep the trenches strong. Add another young offensive lineman. He can back up at center and guard. Because let's not forget, 
Bengals every year the last couple of years, if they didn't have a backup guard that couldn't play at all, they'd probably be in the Super Bowl or have a couple of rings on their fingers. And it wasn't just tackle every year for them. It was also right. the, the interior offensive line. So, uh, yeah, in a scenario where in a year or two that Ted Karras is gone and they don't keep him, Ricky Stromberg steps in as your starting center, hopefully. Yeah, last year was kind of the opposite of the of the problems that they've had. The interior of the offensive line was much improved, but the outside, the 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 uh, the tackle position, kind of struggled yeah, a little bit. Yeah. All right. So on to the sixth round. So far, they have four offensive players, one defensive player. Mm-hmm. After we had talked about how they were going to go defense heavy. <laughs> And they could. If we rolled this back, we could very easily, I think, have gone. Oh, yeah. Like one pick of Darnell Wright, and we were talking about can see Banks or Forbes. I mean, it could have easily started that way. Yep. All right. On the clock in the sixth round, who do you like? Yeah, at the top of the board, uh, Baldonado, Hickman. I think you could end up with either one of them. We're talking about sixth round here. Blackman, also, he's a 24-and-a-half-year-old corner, so I don't typically like that. But we're talking sixth round. Most of these guys are going to play special teams. At some point, I'm going to mix and double dip, though. Okay. I'm going to go with somebody that would fit very well with uh, Zach Charbonnet and add a little bit more speed, a little bit more elusiveness, and maybe a little bit more as a third down back to help out there. And I'm going to go with Keaton Mitchell, the running back out of East Carolina. He's the son of former Bengal, Anthony Mitchell. Oh, they okay. played for the Bengals early, yeah, in the early 2000s, Marvin Lewis era. Um He's a speed guy, ECU. That's where Chris Johnson came from, if you remember. He yep. has that same glider stride, but he's 5'8", 180, so he's small. But we took a 225-pounder in Charbonnet earlier, and now we've overhauled the running back room, maybe potentially saving some money if we feel good about yep. these two and uh, moving on from Joe Mixon. So we we may have saved enough to extend everyone with the Jonah Williams by replacing him with Darnell Wright and now beefing up the running back room. There so. you go. Saves them around $25 million because yeah. you know, after – after uh, June first, and trade trade uh, uh, Jonah. All right, last pick coming up here, seventh round. Could they go quarterback? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the UCLA quarterback here again. We're talking about UCLA guys, a whole, a yeah. whole bunch. Um, will you click on quarterback? Let's see what's there. Yep. They might with a couple other guys too. But I would also like to check out wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, the Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. They had a. Um, top 30 visit, I want to say, with him. Okay. But at this point, he's probably undrafted, so you're setting up that visit to make sure you got a relationship sure. with the guy to bring him in as an undrafted guy. Go to receiver for me. Matt Landers is very interesting. They had a meeting with Hazel Wood from Arkansas, so both Arkansas guys. Okay, let's go with Matt Landers. Okay. I'll tell you why. So he's got more size. He's more of the uh, T Higgins type body type. So he's not, I don't think he's ever going to develop into your future slot guy or anything like that. But I do think they got a couple of those guys up to, if when Boyd goes down, I, you know, Trent Irwin stepped in, Trent Taylor has made some plays for this team. What they really haven't had is a backup outside wide receiver with Matt Landers. You get a guy that can be a deep threat guy with good body control, good catch radius. Uh, someone that, I think if you had to step in for T Higgins for a few plays, you probably wouldn't notice the difference if you're looking from the, you know, from the blimp angle, because they'd look very similar being a big guy like that. Uh, so seventh round pick, let's see. Okay. So we're, we're wrapped up here. We got right in the first Laporta in the second Charbonnet in the third. 
Rush, and then Stromberg, Mitchell, Landers. If things went this way, what yeah. would you give them? What would you give the Bengals a grade? I would only knock them for ignoring the defense so much. <laughs> and so, I, <laughs> you know, hard to knock them when you did it yourself, man. But like, I would knock them for that. But man, whew, I don't think yeah, you'd have to spend three. another. Yeah, first three plus. When would you actually have to spend another pick at on the offensive side of the ball? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Maybe a slot defense. guy next year, or like, would you even worry about it if you got tight end? That's probably going to be the number three option. You know, if Laporta develops what you think it would be, Higgins, Chase, and Laporta as your options, and then you got two backs that could catch as well. So, um, yeah, you wouldn't spend a pick for a long time on the offense, and you could probably next year just go heavy defense. It's just the way it works. So I would give them. I don't see how this wouldn't because the value struck them every single time. They were lucky. I would say this is probably an A minus at least, knocking a few points for not uh, getting uh, more defensive help. Okay. Well, I mean, I know that this would make me happy. You know, you wouldn't yeah. have to worry about anything on the offense for a while. Uh, like you said, the defense would, be, you know, maybe there's guys that are cut uh, after after the draft that you could bring in. But um when you're putting up 60 points a game, it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> yeah, or shooting for yeah. 60. Shoot for the moon and you don't have to worry there about defense. Go. Exactly, exactly. I'll say uh, after this draft, I'm going to go do a mock draft on PFF because it keeps me real humble every single time. <laughs> yeah. So and I they need give, to balance it. They give you a terrible grades. That's why. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Darnell, right, F minus. F yeah. minus. I don't even know what that low. All right, Joe, do you have anything else you want to add? No, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Goodberry is where I mostly uh, get my takes off and post clips and, you know, do my thing there. So, uh, you know, find me there if you want to talk Bengals ball. Yeah. Uh, and I if- do want to mention uh, Joe Goodberry has a subscription service on his Twitter and I drug my feet on it just a little bit, mostly because I'm an idiot. I don't know how Twitter works. And I thought that I would have to go to an individual feed to read. Mm. And I was like, well, I'll just never do it. I'll just forget. And it'll just back up on me. Uh, recently subscribed, very, very worth it. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. And, and I plan on having much more once the season actually starts. We got, you know, there'll be a lot of video reviews, player evaluations, scouting reports on current players. I've got a lot planned for when the season actually gets here. Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, Yeah, I'm subscribed to. Very happy I did it. Uh, if you're on the fence, do it. Absolutely. Very Thanks, much worth it. Um, Joe, thank you very much for joining us. I'd love to have you back on the show post-draft, maybe get, mm-hmm. you know, some thoughts about what they did do. Um, it'd be amazing if that, if it worked out that way, exactly. It really <laughs> right. would be. Um, but, uh, for Kevin, I'm Jason. This has been three and out with Jason and Kevin um, brought to you by cincyjungle.com, which is SB Nation's Cincinnati Bingle site and sponsored by Eastgate Smiles Dental Care. Who day? Who day? Who day?